With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's episode of BTR Boxing Podcast is sponsored by Bear Attack Boxing. Check them out on social media, on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And check out their website, www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. They've got another great product that's just been released, the Bear Attack Boxing Master One Focus Pads. They are the ideal pads for perfecting your boxing skills, for getting your shots accurate and fast. With the shock absorbent pad, your hands and wrists will be protected. The hook and loop strap makes it easy to secure your hands in the pads so go and check out that new product which is only $24.99 at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk social media facebook instagram and twitter find them bear attack boxing Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with myself, Sean Basto, shortly to be joined by Johnston Brown, and we're talking about Tyson Fury's return, living in America, coming out to Apollo Creed from Rocky IV. Wow, what a weekend. We're going to be talking also about the reactions to Warrington versus Galahad as well. But before we get into the episode, please go and check us out on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. Please go and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, even Spotify too. So what a weekend we've just had. Tyson Fury living in America, getting the victory over Tom Schwartz, Warrington beating Galahad on points. What a weekend, Johnston. Uh, brilliant. Another great weekend of boxing show. Um, lots to catch up on and, and uh, some interesting fights, decisions. Um, and obviously it was great to see Fury back and finally getting that stoppage on his record which 
which has been a while. Yes, and that's probably where I'd like to start, to be honest with you, is Fury's victory over Tom Schwartz. Now, just before I begin talking about it and giving my, my verdict on everything that happened in the fight, I'm just really shocked that there's a lot of other media outlets out there and podcasters that uh, they're really slagging the hell out of this. Like, the fact that you know Tom Schwartz was put away so, so easily, so to speak, by Fury that... <laughs> I mean, I don't think he was any Sefer Seferi or Pianetta, but, you know, the guy was coming to fight. The guy, we knew what he was coming to do, and we just didn't know what Tyson Fury was going to do, and that's what we got on the night. And I'm very surprised by it all, because, actually, I really, really enjoyed the whole setup with it all. I enjoyed the entrance. The entrance was the best part of the whole fight, to be honest with you. Him coming out to, obviously, Rocky Four Apollo Creed's Living in America with James Brown playing, and I thought that was fantastic and you know this guy's a character and the american commentators absolutely loved it they was jumping all over it and i really enjoyed it and then the fight itself was it was a better fury performance and actually when we were talking about this in our preview episode i said and i think you both we both agreed that fury needed a stoppage win on his record to, to really put hit home the fact that he is you know the best heavyweight that we've got at the moment on the planet yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think uh, I, I'm with you. I think, I think it was the whole spectacle with Tyson, wasn't it? He's that sort of character. He, he bought that, you know, he sold that well, obviously, coming in like looking like Apollo Creed. was quite hilarious, actually. But uh, yeah, it was definitely more interesting the actual fight in the end. Uh, but re- I'm really pleased for Tyson because, you know, yeah, I can understand people's criticism of the fight. You know, Tom Swartz, obviously. Um, I weren't really too sure what to expect. Um, we had I'd seen odd bits on YouTube, and he uh, I pointed out that he was a bit slow. Um, and you know, it's pretty clear that the the, the, the gap between them was was pretty pretty large. And uh, and and to, to Tyson's credit, I mean, a lot was made out of the old room uh, sort of dodging them shot. Um, that he was just sort of throwing at air from Schwartz, and, and Tyson was bobbing and weaving away, and and it, just literally before he put him away. Um, I mean, the stoppage itself, I was a little bit sceptical about. I did, I sort of felt like Swartz was looking for a way out. Probably a little bit like the, the Sinard Gashi fight where he, he, he basically won that by disqualification, but he weren't really interested in it. He took a, a funny headbutt or, or some, some sort of dodgy punch and he went down and the guy got disqualified. So I could sort of, that was that was the first thought is that, yeah, he's not interested in this. Um, but, you know, great for Tyson. He got the stoppage win. And as you said, Sean, like, it's great for him to get that, stoppage win filing after such a long time it is I'm really happy that he's got this stoppage win and I mean people were slagging it the fight beforehand they're still slagging the fight afterwards we knew what we were going to get with Tom Schwartz we knew we were going to come forward probably in straight lines and we knew Tyson Fury was going to dance around him but I felt like he was more emphatic he sat down more in his punches and mm-hmm. I referred to that on the episode last week when I was saying that he can sit down in his punches more he can hurt people when he really does sit down but a lot of his skill is the ability to to move laterally around the ring and the head movement was unbelievable and you know speaking to a lot of people and and even speaking to to, to some professionals they said they've never ever seen a heavyweight that can move in that fashion and and, and that's you know that's going back to the days of Muhammad Ali this this was the guy who who sort of pioneered the whole movement as a heavyweight and the head movement and you know people will laugh when I say it but literally when he was doing the head movement when Tom 
Tom Schwartz was throwing them four or five punches at him. It reminded me when Ali was in the corner that time in the fight. I can't remember if it was Fraser or Foreman, but and he's dodging various punches that were coming in and out, and it was like bloody hell, you know. Tyson Fury is able to just see all these punches coming. I mean, if he can see these punches coming from a guy like Tom Schwartz, obviously if he goes in against a bigger opponent, as we know, like the Wilders, he's going to get caught because these guys are a lot faster than what Tom Schwartz was. And we've seen that with the fight with Wilder. Whether it was a lapse of concentration in that final round for him to get knocked down, I don't know. But we know he can get caught. We know he can get put down. But the thing is, he can box beautifully for, for, for a whole fight and negate anybody in the heavyweight division at this moment in time. And that is what excites me, the fact that I consider him to be the best heavyweight on the planet at the moment. And I think going on, quickly touching on some of the stuff coming out after the back of this win, big baby Jarrell Miller has been spoke about <laughs> as a potential opponent for this September-October date. Uh, I'm in display for that one. I mean, do you know what? It doesn't surprise me with someone like Bob Arum. I'm, I'm not a fan of his. I think he's a... Yeah, I'm just not a fan. I, you know, all the, all the stuff we do on Legendary Nights and, and throughout the sort of my, uh, you know, my love of boxing and digging through the archives and watching some old fights, it always comes up as a bit of an arsehole, to be honest with you. So I, I'm, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I'm not keen on the fellow. And I, I could actually see David Miller in that ring with Tyson Fury at some point, which is shocking. I mean, the guy should at least be banned for a couple of years Shouldn't even, no one should be even entertaining the guy. So, in a way, if he, if it was to happen and Tyson Fury did fight him, I just like to beat the crap out of him to be honest <laughs> and does exactly what he done to Tom Swartz and makes him look a bit daft. But, uh, oh, I'm not keen on that. I think he needs to be uh, just put in his box for a little while, at least for a couple of years, and no one should entertain the fella. I think, for me, it just shows that the state of the heavyweight division, aside from the likes of Joshua's Wilders, Ruiz now, and, and obviously Tyson Fury, and Dillian White, the rest of the landscape of the heavyweight division is pretty dire for the fact that we're still talking about Big Baby Miller, even though the guy is dirty and yet has been given a slap on the wrist. I mean, this is not just a guy who, you know, got tainted meat or a a nasal spray. This guy literally had the worst of the worst kind of performance-enhancing drug where you would literally have to inject yourself to put the drug into you. So, for me, he's the worst kind of drug cheat, and and the fact that people are giving him this, this sort of media presence at the moment is ridiculous. That just goes to show you how dire the heavyweight scene is outside of all them names that I've mentioned because of that fact so this is why I'm hoping as a British fan you know we've got these guys like Joe Joyce Daniel Dubois Nathan Gorman all coming through the ranks and I'm hoping some of these guys in the next 18 months can push themselves onto the world stage so we've got a better selection of fighters on there because at the moment the top four heavyweights in the world in this order for me is is Tyson Fury I'd say Andy Ruiz has put himself in second place automatically with that win over Joshua. Deontay Wilder third, Joshua fourth, Dillian White five. And then after that, you sort of struggle to really rank everybody else then, to be honest. So I I see this whole big baby Milner situation as if they get the fight with Tyson Fury and Tyson Fury goes in and looks good against Big Baby Miller again, takes his undefeated record, then it really sets him up nicely for the big fight with Wilder. And I put a tweet out, funnily enough, over the weekend about Tyson Fury's win, and it was about the fact that whilst I consider him to be the best heavyweight in the world at the moment, to cement his legacy 
uh, in boxing history. He's got to be back in the ring with Deontay Wilder. He has to fight the likes of Ruiz and Joshua and the Dillian Whites. He has to do that to cement his legacy in boxing for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Sean. I think they're the fights that I, I believe they're targeting. I just think that with him signing the top rank, they are going through this stage where they're trying to build his American pop, like his reputation, um, which I don't believe they need to do. I think Tyson Fury is probably a bigger name than Deontay Wilder. Um, and, I, and I think Joshua still is, even though he's lost to, to Ruiz. And Ruiz obviously put himself up there as well. So we'd even be surprised if Andy Ruiz is probably more famous than Deontay Wilder at the moment. Um, but... I'm with you. I think he needs to... I would like to see him fight someone like Dillian White. I think, or if anything, Dillian should at least be given an opportunity to, to fight for a world title. Uh, obviously, we're going to find out sooner or later what's happening with Ruiz's titles and whether he keeps them. I, I believe Eddie I believe he's going to be able to keep them all for the for the, for the Joshua fight. Uh, whether that happens or not, I, I'm, I'm still very sceptical about it. I, I can see it changing. But in terms of what you were saying, in terms of they are the four best, if you had Ruiz in there as well as, as your fifth if you like um, and then I would probably say the other one who's a bit of a dark horse is Usyk because we don't know how good he's going to be but you know when you talk about Tyson Fury and his movement um, and obviously going back and with Holyfield and, and I sort of think that although he's not going to be the biggest I do think Usyk is going to have a massive say in the heavyweight division and at some point he's going to fight somebody and it's going to be very interesting because he's that he is very similar he's that, that comes from that sort of same mould of Fury if you like in terms of his movement it's just a matter of whether he can carry that power because obviously Tyson Fury is a much taller guy he's on seven foot so it'd be interesting but I think Usyk is the guy that could really make waves and be that extra man in there um, so it's going to be interesting to see whether Joshua can obviously beat Ruiz whether White can get past his his fight um, the Colombian fellow I can't always forget Rivas. his name um, yeah um, so I, I believe he will but again the guy's undefeated who knows he doesn't necessarily mean anything people will know on their record I mean it means nothing I think people grasp onto that way too much but um, and then obviously the other one who sort of in between is like a Huey Fury where he's that guy that's obviously lost to Pulev and Parker. Then you've got Parker. So you've got that little selection there of those Pulev, Parker and Huey Fury, if you like. And then you've got the youngsters coming through, like your Dubois and your Joyce. Well, I say youngster, Joyce isn't youngster, but obviously he's still a novice, if you like. And, and obviously uh, Gorman. So, and then you've got Ajabo as well, who's the other guy in America. Who's, who's, he's, he looks pretty good, actually, Ajabo. He could be one, in, one to look out for in sort of 18 months' time. Um, so other than that, you've got the guys we're not too sure about and who's going to come through that pack. But then you've got those middle-of-the-road guys. So, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if... I could fight for Fury if they're setting up for just, you know, before you know before they fight Wilder. There's someone like an Alexander Poo, uh, uh, Povetkin or, or someone like that, you know, someone with a little bit more credibility than the Tom Swartz. But, you know, we'll have to see. Obviously, he's got two fights currently set up and, and obviously he's going to be looking to get two more stoppages. Um, it looks good on the highlight reels. Um, and he's good fun to watch Tyson I'm not going to disagree with it but I do believe I'm with you he's the best heavyweight around at the moment I don't think there's much argument about that everybody believes he beat Wilder other than Wilder and his team so you know I'd love to see him fight Wilder finally put that to rest and then move on to fight either Ruiz or Joshua whoever comes through that one and obviously uh, Dillian White and then I think Usyk will be there whatever that so it is interesting but it's very shallow isn't it it's about five or six and other than that the gap's pretty big so we'll have to see what happens with the youngsters coming through and obviously with, with this lot and if they actually fight each other because we've been talking about it for months we've been going on about it for, for 18 months almost two years and 
it's just you've had the one fight, which is the, the Fury Wilder. So we want to see that again, and obviously, uh, yeah, see what happens, see who, who comes out and who rises to the top. Just when we're on the subject of heavyweight boxing, Wilder, uh, not Wilder, White and the WBC having their little spat this week. That was quite interesting to see over social media that obviously White's getting really, really frustrated now with the fact that no matter what he does, he doesn't seem to be getting put into a position to fight for a world title, no matter how many supposed mandatories or, you know, interim title fights or whatever else he's being thrown at him. He just seems to be getting more and more frustrated and understandably so. The guy's putting, getting, he's putting everything on the line, anyone that's getting put in front of him, he's beating, when he beats Rivas, what happens next for him? Does this guy then still sit underneath the top echelons of the other fighters until, you know, maybe a belt gets vacated? Should that happen with the whole Joshua Ruiz situation? Well, I feel sorry for him, I really do, and I can understand why he's getting really annoyed, but obviously the WBC have hit back and they're, I, I can't quote the whole thing, but the, the, the final line of that tweet that was put out by uh, Mauricio Sullivan was basically... We, we, this is going to affect his sort of relationship with us as a governing body, which I thought was like, oh, well, this isn't great for him because this really where he was supposed to be more highly ranked than anywhere out of the governing bodies and that really puts him in a bit of a shitty position, really, if, if they start to be asses with him over it. But I can totally understand why he's getting frustrated because he has been fed opponent after opponent. He's beat high-quality fighters, but yet he's still fighting different guys and being told he's got to fight this unbeaten Oscar Rivas now and I can totally understand it I really can he he is the guy that's probably getting shafted the most at the moment out of the heavyweight division oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more again Sean I, I'm, I'm gutted for Dylan because he really has had to come through hoops at the moment um, he's done everything that is asked of him and he's not shied away from anyone he's, he's put himself in a position where he should be fighting he should have fought Wilder over to Brazil. Let's, let's face it, that should have been the fight. And, um, well, but obviously the Fury fight not happening. So I just feel like he's completely being shafted and he's being avoided. I think this, 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 it's pretty clear. I mean, you've got the WBC that, you know, what do they expect of him? This has been going on for months. He's get, he gets himself into this position and then he, he gets put back again. Brazil jumps in front of him. We see how good Brazil was. I mean, he got put away very quickly against Wilder. People always mention the fact that Joshua took a bit longer and obviously now Joshua loses to Reed. He definitely should just be thrown on the scrappy, which is just ridiculous. Joshua will come back. And, and, and you know, and I, for me, I mean... You talk about Dillian White. I think the one thing I think we would all love as British fans and what I would love, someone like Anthony Joshua to even just turn around and say, do you know what? Forget the belt. Forget Ruiz's rematch. You know, let's just let's just put on a fight. Me and Dylan, literally no belts, nothing. We'll sell out Wembley Stadium for no titles because I'm telling you that that would definitely sell out Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Strip them down and then let's just go for the rematch and let's just have a care about the pair of us because I think their styles are, are just made for each other and I think no matter who wins that it just ignites heavyweight boxing and British scene again and, and forget about America this is, this is the situation is, you know that you've got Fury out there you've had Joshua out there who's just fallen by the wayside because he just fell to pieces against Ruiz and, and it just puts the finger up at all the, all the belts you know like, like you say with, with Marie Sullivan coming out and saying stupid it's like that I mean what more do you want Dillian White to do he's going to get pissed off and he's that sort of character you know, he's from my neck of the woods. He's from Brixton. He's from South London. And I, I can understand his frustration. And he's not one to hide it. 
he's going to say how he feels because that's, that's the personality he is. And, it, and people are beginning to like Dillian White. I mean, I like Josh, I like White, I like Fury. I like all our British boys. And I just think being sold a little bit by these American broadcasters and the promoters out there. And for me, I just think Josh just needs to go, do you know what? Forget the rematch, forget the titles. If you're that good, you're going to win them back, wouldn't you? Let's just have a fight and let's just get it on. And, and I think that helped Dillian and I think it helped Joshua. And, you know, that's just my perspective on the thing. I, I think that the British public would love it. We would absolutely love it. Twitter would go mad, and so would everything else, all the other social networking. And you know, I just think White's being sold out, and and Joshua needs that to prove. So I think for me, that would be the perfect fight for me. That's just my opinion. So let's move on from heavyweight boxing, and let's move down the way to the featherweight boxing. And Kid Galahad and Josh Warrington locked on this weekend in what has caused a lot of controversy over this weekend with Josh Warrington picking up the split decision over Kid Galahad in Leeds. Now, I'll give my initial thought on the situation because it was a very, very close fight. Now, I've had conversations with other people in the industry over the weekend and a lot of people are sort of split one way or another. And it's, again, dependent upon how you interpreted this fight and how it went down. Now, I felt like... I, I, we said Josh Warrington was going to win via unanimous decision. I think that's we both we both said the same thing uh, on the episode last week previewing the fight, and we weren't really far wrong. However, I do feel like on another night, under different circumstances, Kid Galahad may have give, been given that decision because on one card he was given the decision, and on two cards Warrington was given the decision. It was a very close fight. I feel like Kid Galahad spoiled a lot of the work that Warrington was trying to do as he was getting on the inside. And I think I think Kid Galahad lost that fight. I think that's the problem. As in, when I say it, it's an obvious statement, but I mean in the sense that I think he could have won that fight if he wasn't as negative at times throughout some of the rounds. I feel when he was clinching, when he was holding... He wasn't throwing enough on the way out. He wasn't throwing enough combinations to, to, to work his way out. And I think that was part of the problem is that when you're looking at the fight and interpreting it in a certain way, you're looking at a guy who's known for being very aggressive in Josh Warrington, who's going to continue to come forward. And as we were saying, take a few punches to get on the inside to do that work. He looks more aggressive. He looks like the one that's pushing all the action. Whereas for Kid Galahad, he looked very negative at times and I think that was the difficulty that I can understand why people were I can understand why people were annoyed that he didn't get a decision but I can also understand why why Josh Warrington got the nod in this fight what do you think about the decision do you agree that it was the right decision or are you one of these that thinks Galahad should have won it um, I think at the time I watched the fight I thought Galahad won the fight I felt that he he did enough to win it, but did he do enough to win the title, if you know what I mean? In terms of, I believe you probably need to do more. Um, So where you were saying, you were precisely right with Warren and he was forcing the fight um, and Galahad was he was clever on the inside. He was doing a little bit of holding. Referee warned him a few times, um, but his movement was wasn't bad. And I, I feel that his counter punching was good. And at times there was a couple of rounds where I thought he looked really good, and then he, he didn't, as you say, just didn't throw enough. It was more pot shots. It was just a one shot. It'd be one punch. Whereas Warren and I get the argument where you know Warren wasn't landing much himself. But Galahad is landing at times. The cleaner shots were coming from Galahad, um, and you know Warrington was managing to get his burst, but he was being his gloves were being held. He's getting frustrated. Um, I believe he would have been clearer rounds if if Galahad, rather than just throw the pot shot where he, he would he would he'd counter it, he needed to throw two or three, and he didn't need to get out of it. 
And I think it would have been a lot clearer. And then I think, you know, I think even the judges and would have swayed his way. But I mean, uh, the other thing is, uh, you just, just the crowd, for instance, they were very muted, wouldn't they? They, they barely got got going because he, he, he was switching his stance and, and it was it was almost like Warrington had to you know he'd come forward and then he would have to sort of adapt and adjust because he switched again um, it was frustrating for Warrington I don't I, I think Warrington was looking probably too far ahead I don't believe I thought I think he thought he was just got to get rid of him I think Galad proved him to you know he was a little bit better than he thought um, I would say for me Galad won a fight when I watched it back I watched Todd Rounds again um I don't think he done enough to win the title because I just think he just threw the odd shot um, and I think he needed to throw more. So that was my opinion. He won it when I first watched the second time I watched it. I thought actually probably didn't do enough to win the title. No, that's a, that's a saying that people always come out with and, and, and that's something I wanted to explore with you really is this whole concept of when you go to a fighter's backyard essentially you've got to rip the title away from them so when we say in ripping the title away from them are we talking about the fact that he's got to completely outbox him to the point where he's winning say eight or nine rounds against three or four rounds is that what we're talking about ripping the title away i see it as just you know you can't it was almost like he was defending the title you know if that was mayweather you flip it mayweather would win a fight on one or two punches wouldn't he and he would avoid a lot so, in terms of not saying he's anything like Mayweather, but in terms of once you've got the title, you, you, you know, you're comfortable enough where you, if anything's close, the judges tend to sway that way. I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, as I said, I scored the fight and I thought, I thought Galad won the fight. So, really, what people say, well, why, 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 why shouldn't Galad get it in? I don't believe he did enough because I believed he needed to win the round more convincingly. And I think he was a little bit more, a bit, little bit too laid back. I think he maybe thought he was winning it. So, I, when I say, I, I don't just think he needs to win it by six or seven rounds. I just think he needed to be more clearer with his, with with winning the round. There was opportunities for him when he could have thrown, you know, he threw a counter and he could have he could have thrown another couple. He could have thrown another couple of shots, and that would have made the difference. I think that would have just swayed it a little bit. Um, so when I say I think any close rounds, if I if I'm being honest, if I'm judging a fight myself, if there's anything close, and you're and I will tend to go with the champion. If it's that close, I think, well, the, the challenge is not doing enough. So that's, that's what I mean in terms of he hasn't done enough because it was close, but he didn't do enough to win the rounds. You could have gone 10-10 for a lot of them rounds because they were so difficult to call. So that, that's, that's, that's what I, how I see it in terms of he just didn't throw enough punches. I think you need to go for it. You need to put your foot out. Warrington done it against Lee Selby, and he didn't do it against Warrington. And I think it got away with one Warrington. I think on another night somewhere else, I think you're right. I think Galad gets it. So, I don't know. I think, I think uh, in, in the end of the day, I think it was better for boxing that Warrant and won. Well, I think now we're going to look at a potential fight with Leo Santa Cruz next. And that's what Warrington is saying he would rather do next as opposed to go for this Galahad rematch. People are pushing the Galahad rematch, but I don't think it was that controversial in that sense where I feel it constitute a rematch at this moment in time. Maybe down the line, a few fights... If Galahad was to be able to get himself into a position to fight one of the other champions and maybe pick up a world title in the process, then that fight would be bigger, of course. But I don't know whether he would beat any of the other champions. But then there's the same question about Warrington as well. Whether he would beat the likes of Leo Santa Cruz or Oscar Valdez or Gary Russell Jr. I mean, he has three big names in the division there that, you know, they are really high. The best of the best, aren't they, of the division? It's as simple as that, really. These are the best of the best. So, you know, it's a question as as to whether Warrington can step it up another level to the elite level because I consider them three names to be elite level fighters in the division. So if Warrington can can 
overcome one of them names, then he's definitely cementing his, his legacy in the featherweight division for sure. And if Galahad could pick up a world title along the way, we could see a rematch. But at this moment in time, I don't think it was that much of a controversy where I'd say it needs a rematch. It wasn't like us looking at you know the, the Holyfield and Lewis first fight that we did for Legendary Knights where it was a clear and obvious win and he did enough to rip the title away, as we say, from Holyfield and didn't get the decision. It wasn't like that. It was a case it was a really close fight and it could have been interpreted depending upon who the judges were on the night in different ways. So, no, I'm not saying it's controversy. I think it, it was a good win for Josh Warrington. He overcame it. He overcame a little bit of adversity, really, to go in there with a slick, slick counterpuncher who was looking to spoil, looking to be negative throughout the fight. So I think, if anything, that would be a great experience for Josh Warrington going forward and hopefully you know we'll get to see him in these big fights next so that was the other big fight of the weekend uh, but we talked about a potential show stealer on that particular bill was Zelfa Barrett and Leon Woodstock Jr and it delivered didn't it uh, I think that was the better fight I think I think I think Galahad Warrington you know it was the bigger bill obviously but I think uh with with Galahad's spoil tactic you know it it, it was he muted the crowd and obviously the you know, he sport the fight to his advantage, which is what he probably needed to do, but it, it made the actual fight itself not so great. I don't think it was the best fight to watch. Whereas Barrett and Woodstock was a cracking fight, and I, I really was pleased with Zelfa Barrett. I think he looked really slick in there. Um, I think I think Leon Woodstock was, was brave, um, and he kept coming forward. Neither of them really were hurt. I, I think around, I think 10th and 11th round, Woodstock, he, he sort of sagged. It was a bit, it sagged slightly, but other than that, it was pretty one-way traffic. I think I think the judges weren't too far off. I think it's probably a little bit unfair on Leon to, for the for the scorecards to be so wide. But in saying that, you know, Barrett he showed he really showed that snap and jab and the beautiful combinations, and you know, it just looked more measured than Woodstock. And I and I think that we finally see Barrett in a in a good fight against a good opponent, where he's able to showcase his skills and. I was really pleased for him. I thought he'd done really well. I was really happy for him as well because I've been saying for a long time about him I feel like he needed to be in with these level of opponents and the shock was fighting Ronnie Clark and Ronnie Clark I think give him that sort of humbling defeat and they've gone back to the drawing board and we, I knew he always had the skill to get to this level and, and, and end up becoming a champion at this level but it was a case of he needed to start being in with more opponents of the same level and the Woodstock junior fight has really proven that he is an absolute quality fighter as we all thought and now he's fought two tough guys won one and lost one and now moves on in his career he's been touted as a potential British champion for quite a long time especially in this neck of the woods in Manchester we've been raving about him for a long long time and it's now time to come to fruition I've got to remember as well with Zelfa he is actually still quite young he is still only 25 so he has still got time to, 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 to progress his career on I mean he could still go to these like 30 Thirty-two, thirty-three, and you know, by that stage, we we don't know. Will he get to world level? Will he not? Questions to be answered later on down the line. But I was just overall impressed with his performance uh, by picking up the Commonwealth title by beating Leon Woodstock Junior on oh, that card. Yeah, definitely. And 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 again, you've mentioned the twenty-five. When Woodstock's only twenty-five, he's had a couple of defeats. He can still come back. He, he, Woodstock looked very limited, though, didn't he? He didn't look. He looked sort of out of his depth at times. Uh, I don't know if that was because Zelfa showed him he, he is that class of fighter. He was just that class above, or whether Woodstock just isn't. He needs to go back to the drawing board and really 
look at his uh, look at another plan, maybe a plan B where you know he was a bit of an outside fighter and then it was a bit of a boxer and now he's sort of become this attacking fighter and he sort of goes gung ho. But you know, I mean, I would like to see Barrett fight fight Ronnie Clark again. I would like to see him get that rematch and. I'm sure Ronnie Clark would be desperate to get the fight on the rematch on because, you know, he's, he's been a bit unfortunate recently with a couple of his fights being uh, cancelled due to injury and needing the money. So I'm sure Ronnie Clark would be 100% up for the rematch and I think that would be a good fight for Zelfa to put to bed. And then obviously, as you said, <coughs> excuse me, um, who else we look at? You've got Liam Walsh in there, Artie Sharper beat Woodstock, um, uh, maybe even Sam Bowen. But um, it, I think, I think you know, get past Clark, get a rematch with Clark, finally put that to bed, put that loss away, and then move on to like like Sam Bowen or an Artie Sharper or someone like that. Yeah, I agree, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens from here for Zalfa Barrett going forward. Another fight on the card then, just briefly touching on it, James Metcalf beating Jason Wellborn with a vicious body shot, continuing his impressive career, 20-0 now he moves to beating a guy that was a former world title challenger not what one two fights ago and he dispatched of him in emphatic fashion Jason Wellborn so another great win he picked up the vacant super welterweight title and quite a big card just quickly running through the results of that card before we move on because we've also got the World Boxing Super Series to touch on in today's episode as well. So, uh, Lyndon Arthur picked up a win as we are talking about last week. Another Manchester prospect coming from the same Moston and Collierhurst gym. We had Troy Williamson picking up the win. A shock uh, on the undercard of that fight as well. We had Alex Dickinson losing to Camille Sokolowski, the, the man that's beaten Nick Webb, the man that's beaten Sean Turner and now he's beaten another prospect in Alex Dickinson. And some people felt Alex Dickinson won that fight. It remains to be seen. We got the decision for Camille Sokolowski. Alex Dickinson will need to move on. Leeds, Jack Bateson won. Oldham's Mark Efron, Shaquille Thompson, the returning Cody Davis. And then there was John Joyce and Jack McGann all picking up victories on that huge stacked card which featured many prospects on. So I was just alluding to the fact that we've got the World Boxing Super Series to touch on and I wanted to make sure we crammed it into this episode today because that was something that was under the radar a little bit because of these other fights that we're talking about. So we had Marius Brady's against Christoph Kloacki and that was a controversial fight to say the least. Fantastic. Well, I was going to say fantastic elbow. It wasn't a fantastic elbow. It, it would be. It would be if he was fighting in MMA and he was in an octagon. But Brady's his elbow. That's the talking point of this particular fight. What did you make of it? That was disgusting. Oh, it was. It, I've, I mean, I watched that actually live because I've, I've not got BT Sports. So I to. Uh, I watched. I've got Sky. So I watched that. That was the main one I watched, and I caught up with the other fights. But yeah, I was. In disbelief. I mean, in that second round, there was a, there was a couple of rabbit punches um, on Breedus, um, which obviously pissed him off. And the referee, literally, I think he's gone to pull over. I'm not even going to try. Is it Glowski? Glowski. I'm really bad. Glowski, that's right. Um, and he, so he's caught him with a couple of rabbit punches. The referee looked like he's going to sort of have a word. And he catches <laughs> It was disgusting. A big elbow. I mean, what on earth was he thinking, Breedus? I had a hell. He did not get disqualified. I do not know. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, he's made a meal of it. He's gone on the floor and he's sort of laid there for, for a while, holding his face. He's sort of an after-reaction, after wasn't it? He went down. But end of the day, it, it's, there's no place for it in boxing. It should have been a straight-up disqualification. I don't think there was any argument there. Um, and it obviously took effect on the guy. I mean, he, he has made a meal of it. He's, he's tried to drag it on. He was even face down on the floor. <laughs> and the referees come out to him and just said, get up. 
<laughs> I thought that was brilliant. I was I was watching my wife and we we were laughing at the referee more than anything. I mean, it was disgrace. But just just the way the referee just played it down as if it was just you know this is normal. Like just get up and carry on with the fight. I mean, it is it, unbelievable. And it obviously it, it clearly took effect and, and he got rid of him in the third. But he put him down in the second before getting rid of him in the third. But Breeders got away with one badly I mean how on earth the, the result even still stands they should be looking at it but obviously you know World Boxing Super Series they're not ones to hang around they, they can't wait for fighters I mean we see it with Groves with a the shoulder they, they didn't want to postpone it with Eubanking so I don't think they're going to hang around and wait for a, for anyone to look at it and disqualify them or try and get a rematch on so yeah unbelievable show. I mean what, was, what did you make of it I thought it was just terrible absolutely terrible well, you've you've nailed it on the head. It was a it was a terrible misjudgment by the referee not to not to disqualify Brady's for that. To be honest with you, it felt like because I'm going a little bit of corruption talk here, but it felt like because mm-hmm. it was in because it was in Riga, because Brady's fights out of Riga predominantly, and because he's mainly the home fighter, it felt like he was kind of he got off quite lightly there, really. And and the amount of people that had obviously posted it on social media about this elbow going in, he, you know, it was it was unbelievable the amount of posts that I was scrolling through seeing it and I was just like how was the referee not disqualified Brady's for this how has he not done it but yeah obviously like you say it took a long term effect in the fight because in round three you know Brady stopped him and then that was the end of that and the other fight that we had was Dorticos against Tabita <laughs> now that was a, a stunning stunning finish from Dorticos now we'd seen this out of him in the previous Cruiserweight World Boxing Super Series tournament but the one thing that's really made me laugh over <laughs> over the last uh, week is the amount of memes that are going around social media because every time the, the artist Drake goes and gets a selfie with a particular fighter that fighter then seems to be getting beat the following week or the following month so he'd had a photo took with Tabiti quite recently and then Tabiti goes and gets knocked out and then the previous a couple of weeks ago he'd had a photo with Anthony Joshua and then we see Joshua getting knocked out so it seems to be a little bit of a curse like the old, the old uh, Aaron Ramsey curse in football every time Aaron Ramsey scored a goal someone famous died <laughs> yeah it's terrible it? it's like the Drake curse it's just hovering around all these all these boxes um, and other, other stuff he got a few other sportsmen and they fell apart as well. <laughs> they haven't won anything so advice to everyone is literally just stay away from Drake but <laughs> yeah that's really funny uh, but yeah, Dorticus, I mean, to be fight, it was a good fight. It wasn't too bad. It was, it was a bit scrappy at times. But I thought to beat, he, I thought he'd done really well, actually, in the opening exchanges. I thought he, he caused Dorticus loads of, sort of all sorts of trouble, really. He definitely took the opening rounds. And, but then he just sort of tired. He looked like he was, you know, he, Dorticus is just his pure strength. He's just constant. He's the same fighter for 12 rounds, the guy. He will keep going up. We see against Gassier, for instance, you know, took some big shots against Gassier. And he took Gassier, obviously, right to the last second to get rid of him but um, unbelievable shot from Dorcas and, and he, he was yeah was a great great shot and knocked him out cold as soon as he went down I think the referee started counting I was like don't even need to count mate I mean we talk about Fury getting up this guy was never getting up he was out cold so it was a wonderful finish and it sets up a nice final I think, I thought, I think Dorcas Breedus is, is the final that I think many people that watch sort of World Boxing Super Series and seeing the names that are up in there I think that was the final we expected I think the same with uh Progress and Taylor, I think we've got another final there where we all expected and hoped that that would be the final. And then the other one in Ure and uh, Donair, which is the one we probably, you know, know what needs. So, you know, we've got two of the three finals we wanted. Basically, no one expected Donair to make the final. I think Ryan Burnett and 
Zalane and Tete would have been a great fight and whoever won that, I think that would have been the better final. But um, I think it, World Boxing Super Series, yet again, has, has done great things for boxing and it will continue to do so. And it's got three great finals and, and Dortekus and uh, Breedis is no different. I think it would be a great final. And, and yeah, they're all on Sky. Brilliant. Bring it on. So another fight which happened on Sunday afternoon, which I, could, I only caught up with literally the highlights of this fight because I was at a show over the weekend. And there was the fight between former Bellew victim Alungu Makabu against Dmitry Kardashev, which I watched the highlights and I thought that was an unbelievable fight. And I wish I would have watched it at the time, but I was out at uh, Joe Gallagher. His first promotional show was just this past Sunday, so I was there at that show covering Stephen Smith's return to the ring. So I missed this fight at the time it happened, but I watched the highlights back and unbelievable, brilliant five-round fight. Absolutely fantastic, the pair of them. There was knockdowns, there was buckling knees. It was just, it was everything you wanted out of a fight and I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, it was a brilliant five-round. I mean, that second round will go down for a long time, wouldn't it, where they, where they literally was almost a double knockdown and both fighters threw in left hooks at the same time. Obviously, Makabu somehow managed to stay out of and uh, Kudraskiev, I'm trying to get on these names, he's Eastern European, <laughs> that's I'm terrible with, but he obviously went down. Um, he was actually one guy that, I think he lost in the quarterfinals to Dortikus as well, but um, yeah, Makabu managed to stumble back to his corner, obviously, he put him down and then he, he eventually finished him off in the fifth when the referee stopped after a barrage of punches, but another great fight for Makabu. He's always here. If you ever see his name pop up, anyone, anyone not too obviously we know about him at Bellew, but he loves a tear up and he's a great, great fighter to watch. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how he does as well uh, going on and moving forward, whether he could get a, maybe a title fight at some point. But um, yeah, cracking fight, really is. Well, almost, you know, you could put it down on a fight to you early doors. That's definitely going to be. Um, mark down or mark hard and yeah, one I'll, I'll watch again a little bit of gossip coming out then from this past 24 hours there was a lot of rumours that Kel Brook was apparently supposed to be announcing his retirement but he's come out and made a statement that he isn't and actually he's trying to chase down a, a big fight with Terence Crawford which I was quite surprised about when, when I read his statement but yeah apparently he is coming back and he is going to be looking to fight one of the big boys in the welterweight division which I'm surprised about because there was obviously talk of him struggling to make the welterweight division anymore which is why he had that little move up in weight to 154 to try and test the waters there so quite an interesting statement to to have come out today what are your thoughts on on kel brook then because we've not heard anything from him for a while yeah i'm gutted for kel because i really when i was watching him come through he, at times he looked brilliant didn't he? he really did his style was just brilliant and i used to love really love watching him and i just think golovkin took something out of him i really do and obviously you know losing to Spence didn't help but I still think that that was the after effects of that Golovkin fight and obviously the fractured socket and then he fractures the other socket it's just been difficult for Kel and um, you know even when he was at the peak of his you know the heights of his career I do think he was one that was swerved you know I don't think many people were interested especially someone like Khan I mean Khan would always say he was the bigger name but when Brook was top of his game I think Brook would have beaten Khan um, and I think he would have beaten a lot of a lot of fighters and now that night if he lost to Golovkin I think if he'd have actually fought at, you know maybe light middleweight then against one of the champions I think he would have won the fight I thought he put on a great show of it and obviously ended up getting done but I'm glad to see Kel sticking around. I would like to see him get a big fight. Just just one big fight, just see how he gets on. Another, just one last 
hurrah, if you like. Um, yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, you, you could, you, the potential there is for a Smith fight. They're both, they're both of match them. So, I mean, why not, why not get the Smith fight on first? I mean, I know he's chasing Terence Crawford. I just don't think it would bode well for him. I just think Crawford's too good. Um, who else has got in there? Furman, obviously, fighting Pacquiao. Uh, his Porter Spence going to happen now. It looks like that's happening. So, um, you know, who else is there? Yeah, maybe Crawford. But I just, I just I'd like to see him have that one more fight. I, mean, I suppose... He just, he just, it seems to just stall all the time. A bit like Billy Joe, like they've, they've got this magnificent talent and then they stall because of something, whether it be an injury or delays in fights. But yeah, I'm glad to see Kel back. I just hope he can get that one fight. Everyone wanted the calm fight. That ain't happening, is it? I mean, it's never going to happen. That's dead in the water. And yeah, see, I, I, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see who he fights. Um, I'm always interested in watching Kel Brook. I've, I've watched him live myself a couple of times up at the O2. So um, yeah, I'm glad he's staying about and I just hope he can get that big fight. So let's move on then and briefly touch on a little bit of other information before we call it a close to this review episode. Something that happened on Saturday night in the middle of the ring in the Warrington Galahad card was that Prince Nazim Hamed became the first fighter to retrospectively be awarded with a ring magazine title. Now at the time Hamed was fighting, he uh, there wasn't any ring magazine belts awarded to fighters at that time and they've since obviously started doing it and are awarding the ring magazine belt to people and it was a conversation he had with one of the editors for the ring magazine where he basically said you know why did you never give me one of them belts or why are you not going to give me one of them belts something along them lines so basically in the ring in leeds on saturday they handed him a ring magazine belt for for being obviously one of the great featherweights of that particular area so that was quite interesting i mean i wasn't it wasn't something i was expecting to happen and i don't know what people's thoughts are on this outside of outside of our thoughts but i mean do people think he deserves it do they think he deserves the ring magazine belt because i think a lot of people will argue when he did really go to the upper echelons of the division he lost to barrera and then had one comeback fight and never fought again after that so i don't know what your initial thoughts are on it but i i think he did deserve it i think he'd won multiple titles in the weight category and and he he did enough to deserve it and if that wing magazine belt would have been around at the time he was fighting in his peak of his career i think he certainly would have been in the ring fighting for it at some point should he have not won it yeah absolutely i I think um i think it's well deserved i think i think with naz his aim was always to be uh to be wealthy i think that was his main aim although he always said you know he Excuse me. <clears throat> Although that he always wanted to be considered a great in terms of his performances and what he delivered in the ring, I think he did that. I think he was great to watch. I was never a massive fan. I've always I've, I've told you that before, Sean. But looking back and just watching his fights, he was a spectacular fighter. He was up there with. He, he, in fact, he was he was above Barrera and Morales. You know, when they had their first fight, he they, you know their that first fight. We spoke about recently was you know the winner of that was going to fight Naz. So Naz was ahead of him. So no matter what. You know, people who say does he deserve it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think he was. Even when you when you think of British boxers, and you know, if you run through your your top twenty British boxers ever, I think he'd always feature in the top twenty. Um, and we're, we're talking again way way back in terms of you know Jimmy Wiles and you know with Lennox Lewis throughout all the, all the decades, and you know Bob Fitzsimmons, he he won't belong in that top twenty. Uh, Nazim and uh, you know that's great. I think I think you know he deserves it. I think he just lost the hunger after the fight. He had the money, he had the millions. He disappeared. So you know, credit to me. He, he gave me um, as a fan. I enjoyed so many fights, so many of his fights growing up. Um, 
although I mainly rooted for his opponent. <laughs> but um, he, he, you know, spectacular talent and deserves it. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I, I totally agree with you on that one. So... Let's move on to the final bit of the episode then for the listeners. First of all, I want to thank you guys for going on to Apple Podcasts and giving us a rating and giving us a review. We've seen a couple of good reviews come on this week, a couple of new five-star ratings going on this week. And, you know, I'm really I'm, I'm really buzzing with it. I'm really happy that people are going on and doing it because, as we've said before, you know, we, we do this without a studio. We do it without the ability to be able to go and sit in a studio like a talk sports studio or another studio we, we're doing it basically from the comfort of our own homes with the, the 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 primitive equipment that we've got to do it but yet we still deliver quality episodes to people and people are appreciating it so first and foremost thank you to everybody that's been going on uh, as of recently and going doing the ratings and reviews because it really really does help push us up the rankings when it comes down to boxing podcasts and we really appreciate all the support that you're giving us and we hope you've enjoyed the series that we've been putting out so far you got legendary nights obviously johnson you've been a big part of legendary nights and that's something i know you really enjoy we've got our review shows the preview shows the ones to watch the life and times of there's there's so many different little mini series running at the moment that there's so, so much variety really and that's what we we sort of proud ourselves on so i hope you've really enjoyed listening to to our breakdown of the fights from the weekend uh, and Johnston as always thanks for coming on uh, thank you for having me on Sean and um, I just want to say that you do say we but Sean mate you do some great work and you know you're you're the force behind this and you're doing excellent excellent work and I'm pleased that people are taking the time to vote because Sean's the man people listen to Sean Sean, Sean does he, he knows his stuff and he does some great work behind the scenes and uh, credit where credit's due excellent work mate Thanks very much. So, thank you for listening, guys. Go and follow us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook, and as I said earlier, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, TuneIn, Spotify, even on Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats YouTube channel if you want to listen to us on there too. So, thanks very much, and we'll be back later on this week. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.